This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's the full reading for the day. If you're waiting for more. And he said to them, Go into all the world. And preach the you were not born at this time by accident. You could have been born in any generation. You could have been born in any decade. You could have been born in any place. You could have been born anywhere around the world. But you were born here and you were born for now. There might be stuff that's going on in your life right now. But I want you to know something. It's not the end of the story. There might be things happening in the country right now. But you need to know. It's not the end of the story. I want to speak to you this morning about something that I've titled, It's Not the End of the Story. It's funny, but there, there seems to be an inherently within us a design. Joe, sorry, I've got a bit of feedback here. There seems to be a design that seems to be, if God wants to do something in your life and if God is going to do something and he wants to move, it's almost like, okay, I need to become a part of the church. There's a desire within us that's like, okay, I want to become a pastor. That's maybe what I need to do. Or I need to become part of the clergy. Or I need to become a great teacher. Or let me go and get involved in the Bible school. But we don't need more pastors. And we don't need more teachers. We love the ones we've got. And teachers are valuable and pastors are valuable. Maybe what I need to do is I need to go and get involved in a home cell group. And maybe I need to lead a home cell group. And I'm glad that you have that aspiration and that intention. But we don't always need more home cell leaders. The challenge with it is we have so many people who have such a heart for God. And our heart for God leads us to a place where we think that what we need to do is we need to go and immerse ourselves once again more in the body. We need to come become more a part of what God is doing in amongst the flock. The challenge with it is we're becoming more and more a subculture in society. We're immersing ourselves in a subculture that is not engaged, that is not having influence, that is not having impact. But we're very happy on our little Christian island. God isn't calling us to be at a place where we want to have a little exclusive cub. Those people who belong to God and those who don't are not really involved. We like to get together on Sundays because that's when the club gets together. We like to come to praise and worship because that's when the club does its stuff. And all of those things are valuable and all of those things are important. All of those things have their place and I don't want to take away the value that they contribute or the importance and the significance that they have in their life. But what I am encouraging you to do today is to recognize the fact that God isn't looking so much for people to be added to the church as he is looking for people to become world changers. We need more world changers. We need people who sit and say, I recognize the fact that God has a calling on my life and I'm part of the kingdom. And as being a member of the kingdom, I recognize the fact that things are happening in my life and things are happening in my family and things are happening in my world. And I'm called here to have influence. We need people who are world changers who recognize the fact that I carry within me the kingdom. I carry within me the life and the power of God. And where I go, God is looking for an opportunity to have influence in that space. We need to recognize and build up people who are kingdom minded, people who are world changers and who step out into the world and sit and have the identification, the recognition, the understanding and the appreciation for the mandate of what it is for being a redeemer. 
redeeming all those things that the world has taken possession of, taking those things that is in the world, taking those things that are marked and characterized by the world and redeeming them once again to their original design. That was God's intention. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. The problem with us wanting to congregate, the problem with us wanting to become exclusive, the problem with us wanting to come together is that God is saying, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to come. I've called you to go. We're busy coming and he's telling us to go. Go into all the world. You have a mandate. You have an important place. You are positioned where you are right now to have influence in places, in people, in society, in ways that you may not necessarily recognize. What we need is we need the Holy Spirit to work with us. We need the Holy Spirit to open up our eyes, to take off the blinkers so that I recognize the fact that I'm light and I'm salt. To recognize the fact that I'm a kingdom influencer. To recognize the fact that this is of the world but I'm here to introduce the kingdom. I need to be a person who's going. There is a mandate on the church, but there's a mandate on you. What is your calling? What is your purpose? We build up people in the body and we need to build them up because if you don't know who you are, you don't know what you can do. If you don't know who you are and you don't understand the power that's on the inside of you, you don't understand your potential for influence. We need to build people up. We must build people up. We have to understand who we are in Christ. But we also need to balance that by recognizing that we have purpose. Otherwise, we become nothing like the, we just become like the Red Sea. Everything flows in and nothing flows out. You are called for purpose. It's important for us to begin to recognize that. We need wisdom to know, why did God put me where he put me right now? Who do I have the opportunity to influence? And how do I have the opportunity to be able to do that? God created the earth. It's God's creation. But it's our home. Your destiny is an earthly one, not a heavenly one. I don't have time to get into that again. Go and listen to it last week. But your destiny is an earthly one. We have a responsibility to be a contributor, to understand what God's purpose is behind redemption and to step into a place where we begin to function effectively in purpose, where we begin to influence the world for the kingdom so that the world doesn't have the influence that it used to have because it comes up against something called kingdom, which is putting resistance against it, which is pushing it back, which is moving it to a place where it's saying, no more, there is a line and I'm moving back in the other direction. We have a man who lives just up the road from us and I'm sure he's a very nice man, but I don't know who he is. I only know him because his garden is a disaster. It's a dreadful thing. It's the blight of the neighborhood. Everybody mows their grass. Everybody keeps their things pruned. Everybody keeps it. And it looks so good. And the problem with it is, is we live just past him. So to get to our house, everybody has to drive by it. And it looks terrible. And the grass is overgrown and the weeds are there. And you look in the flower bed and you're not sure which is a weed and which is a flower because everything is growing. Nothing's been taken care of. And there's sticks lying all over the place. And he decided once about three years ago to go and round up all the sticks and put them in a pile. But then he clean forgot what to do once he had created the pile. So they're still standing there. 
The earth is your home. The earth is your home. A new heaven and a new earth. But we have a responsibility to sit and say, I'm not going to live with the weeds. I'm not living with uncut lawn. I'm not living with sticks that are sitting there anymore. I have a responsibility to have some influence in this place. I'm going to bring it back to restoration. I'm taking it back to the place that it should be. So that when people drive by and they have a look at my neighborhood, they sit and say, I like them being part of the neighborhood. Because their contribution and what they do in their neighborhood makes them look really good. I can see there's a difference in them. That's who we call to be. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 says we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and all the rest of it. What it's saying is it's calling us to a place where God is saying I want you to recognize the fact that behind everything tangible you're going to come in contact with something which is intangible. Recognize that everything that is created is at a place where there is an influence behind it. And I need for you to recognize the fact that there is something called the kingdom of heaven and there is something called the world. And I'm, as, as born again believers, it is our responsibility to be prudent, to be, under, to be able to understand the nature of what is behind everything. Before the fall, there was the earth. After the fall, there was the world. God created the earth and he created creation which was on the earth and of the earth and around the earth. He created man and put him on the earth. But when Adam fell, what ended up happening is he handed over to, a, uh, uh, to Satan his authority. And all of a sudden, what, be, what was known as the earth and things of the earth became the world. It performed part of the world. The world in classical Greek, it talks about a harmonious order. That's what the world means in classical Greek. It's a harmonious order. There is a mind behind the world. And the mind behind the world is something that is put together a harmonious order that is designed to have influence on all of creation, and the earth. That's why the world came into existence after the fall. It is something which is an order. It is a spiritual system which is governed by Satan. That's why Jesus is of the kingdom. Satan is of the world. We sometimes fall into a trap because when we read the world, what we do is we confuse creation with the world. Creation is not the world. The earth is God's. Creation belongs to God. The thing about it is the earth belongs to, uh, the world belongs to Satan. It becomes important because Jesus and God have quite a bit to say about things. I'm going to read these quite quickly to you and I'm going to only read parts of these verses. So I've asked Donna not to put them up. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 21, it says, The world knew not God. God has no part of the world. God is no part of Satan's system, which is having influence over creation and the earth. John chapter 15 verse 8 says that the world hated Christ. John chapter 14 verse 17 says the world cannot receive the spirit of truth. Nothing that comes out of the world is going to be truthful because it cannot receive the spirit of truth. John chapter 7 verse 7 says its works are evil. James 4 verse 4 says, friendship of the world is enmity with God. We have to make a choice as to where we want to be, but we cannot be defined by the world and be defined by God at the same time. The two are opposites. 
John chapter 18, verse 36, Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. 1 John 5, verse 4, the victory that overcomes the world is our faith in him. He's speaking about the world. He's wanting to give us an idea of the fact that there are two different systems. And he wants us to recognize that behind all of creation, systems are in operation. Things are working. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. Ever since the fall, the earth, creation, and mankind is in the world, but we are not of the world. The world belongs to Satan. The kingdom belongs to Christ. The earth is the battleground, and the place of, of, of intersection is the world. That's where the battle's taking place right at the moment. We're called to a place we have to recognize who we are. We are called to a place where we have to recognize the fact that the kingdom is looking for opportunities to sit and have inroads and make inroads into the world, to push back darkness from where it's come from and where it's been, and to move it to a place where kingdom once again takes authority over those spaces. I have good news for you. I know you were waiting for it. Very good news for you. Because in John chapter 16 verse 33 it says, Jesus has overcome the world. You don't have to overcome the world. Jesus has already overcome the world. What he's saying to us is this. If you are at a place where my life lives on the inside of you, the very kingdom is on the inside of you. He is the kingdom and the kingdom is in him. And he has overcome the world. You want to know what displaces the world? The kingdom. The kingdom displaces the world. We are called to get ourselves grounded and established in kingdom. We are called to get ourselves established in who we are, in Christ. We are called to know what it is to live from kingdom. We are called to a place where we need to recognize and identify and discern between kingdom and world. It's an important thing because we are here to advance kingdom. That's what we're here to do. In Genesis chapter 37 to about 50, it talks to us about the life of Joseph. And there's some interesting parallels between what we're talking about today and the life of Joseph. And I think one of the things that was so amazing to me about Joseph is all that he has to go through. And the thing about Joseph is he grew up where he had a whole bunch of brothers. I mean, that's, that's quite a... a a handful they had as a family. But the thing about it is that his brothers hated him. His brothers caught him and they threw him in a pit. And there was a big discussion about what they should do with him. Because a whole bunch of them said, let's kill him. In fact, all of them said, let's kill him, except for his oldest brother. And he was like, hold on a second, just before we do that, let's think about this. He found himself in a place where he's in a pit and people are putting in the balance his life, whether he should life or whether he should live or whether he should die. He's in a place where he's lost everything at this point. Everything that he had known. Everything that he had come from. His stability. His home. His family. Everything that had defined who he was up until this point had been lost. But it wasn't the end of the story. They sold him into slavery. Slavery is a terrible thing. Of all the things that you be caught up in, slavery is 
terrible because it puts you in a place of servitude. It puts you in a place where you're the bottom of the pecking order. He's sitting there saying, God, you promised me. You've given me these visions. You've given me the opportunity to sit and say, I want you to be a person who's going to have influence and you're going to put me at an elevated place. And you don't even put me at an elevated place right now. You put me at a place where I'm sitting at the bottom of the peep. Where are you? What are you all about? What's going on in my life right now? Because the dreams that you've given me and the aspirations that you've given me don't look like they're coming to pass. And I'm struggling right now to hold on to everything that you've given me. Ever find yourself there? But it's not the end of the story. He finds himself in a a place where he's brought into a household and all of a sudden things start to make sense and he starts to be able to put some semblance of order together once again and he starts to get his life in a place where he's getting a bit of traction and he's getting a bit of movement and he moves to a place where all of a sudden things are starting to look good. And in amongst all of that goodness, all the little bits of fruition and the little bits of of positivity and movement in a forward direction, all of a sudden he gets accused of a crime that he didn't even commit. And everything that he's been involved in, everything that he thought was going to move him to a place where all of a sudden he was going to recognize the fullness of who he was supposed to be, everything that was supposed to define his purpose in life is swept away all over again. But it's not the end of the story. He thought slavery was bad until he ended up in prison. Because now not only has he lost everything, now he also doesn't even have his freedom. And he finds himself at a place where everything is gone and I'm in place of incarceration. It's a lonely place. It's a hard place. It's a place you walk alone. But it's not the end of the story. There are things going on in people's lives right now. And there are challenges that you are facing. And there are decisions that are being made in your family and amongst yourselves. There are things that are coming against you. There are challenges that are formidable. There are things that are happening in the country right at the moment. But I want you to know something. It's not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story. The problem with it is, we don't want to see our lives as a story. We like to see our lives as a chapter. And if the chapter doesn't work out the way that we think it should, we want to throw everything overboard. We all of a sudden want to just fall over and croak and die. And God doesn't love me and God doesn't care for me and God's not interested in me. And what's the point of giving me hopes and aspirations? What's the point of telling me I'm a person of purpose because I don't have any of that stuff? Because life is so terrible. It's not the end of the story. It's just a chapter. It's not the end of the story. You have to understand that in the greater context of things, God sees you as a person who's moving through life. And God is in the process of doing some stuff. And it might not always work out the way that you think it should work out. It's not the end of the story. If you stick with it, he will take you somewhere. Because he has a plan and he has a purpose for that. Don't get caught in the chapter. Recognize the story. One thing that characterized Joseph's life was that he was a person of influence. Everywhere that he had, he had influence. He had influence in the form of favor. When he was in his father's household, his father had a whole bunch of kids that he could have 
looked at. And I'm sure he loved all of them, but he made no bones about it. Joseph was the apple of his eye. He found favor in amongst all of his other brothers. His father loved him. He was the one who was special. When he moved into part of his house, he started off at the bottom as a slave, but he found favor. He had influence in that space. And because of his influence, he moved to a place where he was running the household. And if you read the story, it says the household was blessed because he was in it. The household was blessed because of his influence. The spaces that you find yourself in today, if you know who you are in Christ, they should be blessed because you were there. They should be blessed because you are there. They may not be able to recognize why it is, but I want you to know something. Because you are there, because you have influence, the space should be blessed. He found himself in jail. And what ends up? He has influence in that space. And because he has influence, it doesn't take terribly long before the warden says, I'm not even going to look after these people anymore. I'm going off to Club Med. I'll tell you what. You look after everybody. And it says the warden never even watched over him. He had influence in every space he went into. When he moved into Egypt and he had influence and favor with the king and he moved to a place of prominence. He had influence. We're called to be people of influence. Are you influential today? Where are you influential and how are you influential? The challenge that we have is we have a world that's arrayed against us. But I want you to know something. Jesus has overcome the world. The thing about it is this. It's okay to exercise something called your mouth. Cancel culture may have something to say about it. But should I tell you something? It goes against truth. The fact of the matter is, there is a small percentage of the people in this country who have got a very big mouth. And the problem with it is because we are so... Nice as Christians. If you don't know what that means, go and listen to last week's one. We are so nice. The problem with it is we sit here and being very polite and very appropriate and very socially correct, but we never say anything because we don't want to rock the boat. Open your mouth. We need to have a louder voice that sits and says, I hear what the world is saying, but that's not right. This is what's right, and this is why it's right. God will give you the wisdom to understand in those situations. Joseph worked in a, lived in a very secular society. They had no interest in God. In fact, they served totally different gods. But the thing is, he had the wisdom to know how to take the things of the kingdom and introduce them into society in a way that made sense. And people were like, hmm, that, that resonates with me. That's right. We need to put some resonating stuff into the world. God is not disconnected from the world or from society. And what he gives us is designed to make sense. He was a person of influence. You are called to be a person of influence. You're to have influence in your own life. What happens? Influence in your family. You to have influence in your world. Influence in your environment. Influence in your school system. Influence in everything that's happening around about you. We are to be called to be people of influence. 
Thank you, Donna. You and me. In Genesis chapter, in Genesis one, in Genesis chapter one, we see a repeated phrase, and it says, "After its kind." God created, and everything that God created reproduced after its kind. The grass of the fields reproduced after its kind. The birds of the air reproduced after their kind. Fruit trees produce after their kind. What he's talking about is the reproductive law. What he's talking about is a law that governs nature. In nature, everything reproduces after its own kind. But it's not a law that governs the spirit. It's a law that governs nature. You see, I love Sarah and Sarah loves me. That's what I thought. And when two people love each other, something happens. You have kids. I love my kids. I love my kids. I love them very dearly. The thing about it is, Colton, Carter, and Vivian were born to us. They have characteristics like we do. They have traits like we do. They have idiosyncrasies like their mother. The law of nature means that part of who we are becomes a part of who they are. We can give them part of who we are, but what we can never give them is who we are spiritually. It takes fresh work from God each time. I love them and I raise them and I instill and I put on the inside of them the values of what it means to be a child of God. But each one of them is going to have to come to a place where they recognize and they sit and say, Father, I want to make a decision for my own life. And I need a special, I need a fresh work from you, Father. I need you to take and make me a brand new creation. It's a fresh work each time. I cannot reproduce spiritually kids that look like me. It becomes important because a principle applies to as we go through life. What ends up happening is in the natural realm, we have a responsibility to take the things of the kingdom and to introduce them into the circumstances and situations in which we find ourselves. The thing about it is just because something is happening in our realm doesn't necessarily mean that it is of the nature of God. We need influence. Influence is certain, is influence puts us at a place where we come to a position where we recognize the fact that unless there is a fresh intervention from God in this place, unless there is a fresh act from Him, nothing changes. We need a fresh act from Him. You see, the things of the world remain part of the world. And they continue comfortably. The things of the kingdom become part of the kingdom as a result of, the, of an act of God. And they are sustained in the kingdom as long as that influence perpetuates. When the influence is gone, it reverts back to the world. You are called to be a person of influence. You are called to recognize the fact that I am here not only to introduce but to sustain. 
Let me give you an example. Years ago, the major colleges and universities of this country were introduced by people who had a love relationship with God. And it was introduced to from a place where people said, you know what, let's produce a place of learning for people to come in so that they can understand about the world that God has created, so that they can understand about the creation and all that God has put in that space, so that they can understand in that context who the greater one is. And that's how they grew, and that's how they burgeoned. But the problem with it is, the men who introduced that, what ended up happening is when they died, what sustained the university went with them. And what happened over time is those universities have fallen away and become part of the world. I'm shocked at some stuff that comes out of some of those Christian universities. Some of those universities that carry the label of being Christian in whatever denomination. Why? Because it wasn't sustained. It was a fresh work of God that got it started, that got it moving, that got it running. It was a fresh work of God that sustained it over a period of time because the men who ran it understood the the importance and the significance of influence. But when they died... They didn't have anybody who stepped into that space, who maintained the influence, and so it degraded and became a part of the world. Israel. God said to Israel, I'll be your God, and you can be my people. And they liked that for a season. But after a while, they had a look at the world around about them. And they said, you know what? Everybody else has got a government. Everybody else has got a king. But we don't have one. God, we want a king. We want a king. So God said, okay, I'll give you what you want. God chose Saul. God anointed Saul to become king of Israel. What happened over time? Over time, what ended up happening is the king and the kingdom moved away from God. Why? Because governments and kingdoms are not of his. They are of the world. And anytime there is not influence that introduces newness and sustains it, there is always a tendency to move away from God. What brought them back with regularity was a fresh act from God. And he brought them back. But what happened over a period of time? They went away again. Why? Because unless something is introduced with a fresh act of God and sustained, it reverts to the world. We live in an interesting country right at the moment. You see, the country that we live in, its inception was born out of spiritual roots. Men who sat and said, you know what? I think that we can build and we can create something different in this space, different to what any other country has to offer. And why don't we do this? Why don't we take as the fundamentals of this country principles that are godly and let's use them as the foundation for who we are. And that's what they did. It was an act of God that introduced this nation. This nation is a beacon to the world. There is something called the American dream. Have you ever heard about any other dream? I don't know how many nations there are on earth, about 170 or something. Have you heard of any other dream? 
It's the American dream. Why is it called the American dream? Because it's one nation under God. One nation under God gave a, a design to what this is supposed to be. It's the land of the free and the home of the brave. What it means is the opportunity exists here for you to become anything that you want to be. What would you like to do? What do you want to do with your life? Where would you like to go? What do you want to produce? It's not going to be easy. But we don't like hard work. Hard work is what's going to make it. Favor is what's going to make it. Influence is what's going to make it. The fact of the matter is, it's the land of the free. And it's going to take people who are brave to make that and to sustain it. The challenge with it is what happens over time is that we get to a place where we move away from those principles and all of a sudden we no longer want to have one nation under God because it's so much better if we can have one nation under government. You see, God gives definition to what it needs to be. But if we can shift it from God and we can move it to government, all of a sudden what ends up happening is we can define what it looks like. We can start to give definition to things. Who the we is, is really interesting. The point is, it moves away from what God is all about. Let me tell you that there is a place in this nation right now for the body to have influence. Because let me tell you, it may have been a fresh work of God that instituted this, that got this birth, that got this nation going, that has sustained it for a period of time. But it's our generation and it's the generations that are to come that have the responsibility to recognize there is still influence required to sustain it so that it doesn't end up more moving back into the world like everything else. That's our responsibility in this place. And each of you are going to find yourself positioned in a place where you to have some influence in that respect. It doesn't mean that the system's perfect. But I want you to know, it's better than anything else. It may not be perfect and we can make changes and adaptations, but it's better than any alternative. Where was I going with this? Sin is not the story. Sin is the blight on the story. You see, the story is all of redemption. It's all about how God has produced for us, or has provided for us, an opportunity to overcome sin through Jesus Christ. That's what redemption is all about. Redemption is all about moving to a space where those things which have been lost are once again moved back to their original design. That's our calling. That's our responsibility, to take the things of the earth and creation and move it back to God's original design. Wherever you are and whatever you're going through right now, I want you to know something. Jesus hasn't just popped into your story. Jesus has been in your story from the beginning. You see, Jesus was the creator. Jesus was the one who made everything. Jesus is the source of life. He was here from the very beginning. And because he was the creator, he is also the redeemer. He is both the creator and the redeemer. In fact, it's because he is the creator that he can be the redeemer. But he's here with a goal. Revelations chapter 21 and verse 5, I think it is. Says he's here to make all things new. How is he going to do that? He's going to work through you. Where is the kingdom? The kingdom is within 
He's going to work through people like you, people like me. Go into all the world. Go into all the world. He has a story for you. He has something that he wants you to do. Much of what constitutes our world, America right now, is very much characterized by the world, not the kingdom. There is a big task ahead of us. But we can overcome. Because we have overcome. When Israel, God had called them out of Egypt and he took them through the wilderness and he brings them to the place where he's about to introduce them to their inheritance and they're about to step into what God has available for them and they decided, you know what, instead of doing this, why don't we, let's, let's send some people ahead to go and check it out and come back and let us know what we're really in for. And what happened? It says that they came back with a bad report, the majority of them, a bad report. Do you know what the bad report is? The media! Anytime you're listening to a report, you're listening to the media. The problem with it is the bad report put them at a place where it cost them their blessing and cost them their future. We have a situation where we have a media who is all voice. But I hear very little of the kingdom in that. I hear a lot of the world. We have to be careful what we listen to. We have to be prudent. We have to be wise. We need more people in media. We need more people to have influence. We need to change those things around. There's no point standing in church throwing stones at everything. God is going to position some people in strategically in places because he's called you to have influence in that realm. One of the most toxic environments that you can have right at the moment is the educational one. The problem with it is, is that For a a period of time, a lot of people have known that there has been a very worldly and liberal set that was up in universities and colleges. Not only in terms of the, the subject matter and how it's taught, but the culture as well. And when your kids go off to four years of college, basically they need to be very firmly established in who they are because they're going to have a four year induction and immersion into liberal ideology. The problem with it is, is that the sluice gates have been opened and it has flooded down not only to high schools, but to middle school. I'm shocked at what my kids come home with. And my kids are asking me questions that I had no intention of having any discussion about, with, uh, about those subjects with them until they were at least 18. But they want to know what the stuff is right now because it's not only in the material that's being taught, it's not only coming through some of the instructors, but it's part of the culture that is rife there. And they come home asking questions about this stuff. We need more people in education. We need people to make meaningful influence. in the, Raise up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is older, he will not depart from it. Anytime you take your child and you put them into a school system right nowadays, I'm telling you, be careful. Be very prudent as a parent where you put your kids. I'm shocked. This is my five minute, I get 30 seconds commercial break. I'm shocked at how many parents don't bring their kids to church 
Let me tell you something. If I have a look at what's going on in the world out there, you'll be horrified at the stories I hear from parents and what's happening in families right at the moment. Get your kids into church because they need to have a very solid grounding in the word of God. Because let me tell you something, the world is out there and the world has got a whole lot to say to your kids. And unless your kids are at a place where they understand who they are, unless our kids are at a place where they're sitting saying, you know what, I know what's right and I understand kingdom values. It's easy to be sucked into it because I don't understand it. And we have instructors who are encouraging it. That's the stone throwing. The point of it is I'm not here to tear it to pieces. The point of it is those structures exist. What I'm encouraging and what I'm asking is where are the people of influence? We need to start believing for those things. We don't want more people in the church. I don't want another teacher. I don't want another pastor. If you like, we want to get involved in praise and worship. That's fabulous. I don't want to speak on behalf of Alex. All I'm saying is we don't want people in the world. We need you in the media. We need you in the education. We need you out in commerce. We need you out in various places so that you can have influence in that space. Go into all the world. God's goal and God's intention. Just give me three minutes. God's intention is that we understand who we are and we move to a place where we have that influence. John F. Kennedy made a very famous has a very famous quotation. Ask not what you can do for your country. What? Ask, ask not what your country can do for you. I was checking to make sure you were listening. Ask not what your country can do for you, but for what you can do for your country. I don't think he recognized it, but coming through and imbued, what characterized that statement is something that is spiritually grounded because we serve a God of creation. We serve a God who is a creator. We serve a God who moves to a place where he's wanting to have influence and he's wanting to produce and he's wanting to create. What came out of that statement was a vision that sat and said, we, cre- we can create something phenomenal if we come together as people who sit and say, you know what, we are here together with common goal and common intention. We can create a country that becomes a, a, a benchmark to the rest of the world that they sit and they have a look at and they say, look what can happen in that space. It creates a place where what can happen is it creates an opportunity for everybody in that society to sit and say, I have a place. There is something I can do. There is a dream I can fulfill. There is a place that I can go. And the opportunity is presented for everyone to be able to do that. It creates a space where all of a sudden we can start to amass the production of everybody who's sitting saying, my vision is to create something a whole lot bigger than myself. And so I'm contributing to a greater idea, the creation of a, of a nation that builds up from its productivity and its overflow. Storehouses. So from those storehouses, 
does it is it can sit and say, you know what? You need some help where you are. We need to make you a part of the system. Let's get you a part of where you are. Let's get you up where you've been from. Let's take you out of that place and give you an education. Let's get you to a place where you can become a productive part of society. It's all about creating something new, something sustainable, something big, something that is produced it puts us at a place where the rest of the nations where the rest of the nations have a look at us and it gives us influence it puts us at a place where it can be benevolent and it can be kind and it can be generous to the rest of the nations because we have such an abundance it was the vision about not what the country can do for you but from what but from but what you can do for the country we have a challenge right at the moment because we have a system that is knocking on the door called socialism. Socialism is an ideology, an ideology of taking. It is a leech. Socialism produces nothing. Nothing. What socialism does is it sits and has a look at what, every else, what has been produced everywhere else and it says, let me take from that. Let me take from other people's success. Let me take from what has been accomplished. Let me take from all of those different storehouses. Let me consume. It is a leech on society. It produces nothing. It creates nothing. It leaves behind it nothing. There is no legacy left behind when you talk about socialism. It is nothing more than a leech on what is opportunity to create? The challenge that we have is this. As the body of Christ, if I was to say to you, would you like to have an affair with your neighbor's wife? You would be horrified. No, that's sin. Why don't you just go and steal this? No, 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 that's sin. Why don't you just cheat on your taxes? That wouldn't be right. That would be sin. We see sin a hundred miles away, but we don't always see what is worldly. Sin is easily identified because it's so in our face. The thing about it is, we, the Satan, as being the mastermind behind the world system, is creating ways that he's able to seduce us, not by sin, but by the world. So, my encouragement to you is this. Have a look at the source. Where does it come from? Because if it comes from God, it'll be a good thing. But when it comes from the world, it's going to be something which is designed to steal, kill, and destroy. The challenge with it is we have too many believers that unfortunately do not have the blinkers taken off. We can recognize sin, but we don't always recognize the world. The world comes in and very often it presents opportunities to us where it looks so good and they look so tempting and they look so inviting and we look like Eve looked And we grab a hold of it. We need to be wise. We need to be prudent. So, your action points for today. Number one, recognize you are a person of influence. I'm going to speak a little bit more. Come next week. It's, it's Easter, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. We've got a great Easter message for you, but I'm going to speak a little bit about this. <clears throat> Everybody has got purpose. You were born with purpose. And where you are right now is not by accident. You may not necessarily recognize purpose and see it in the smaller things of life. 
And I'll speak about this next week. That's why you have the light which is on the inside of you. It's going to illuminate your path. You need to see what's happening around about you. Because in the seeing, it'll introduce you to purpose. You're designed to have influence. Recognize and see yourself as an influencer. Position yourself as an influencer. Be a person who sits and says, I'm here to introduce kingdom. I'm here to be at a place where the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever. He has overcome everything. We can push that back. Open your mouth. Sometimes one of the easiest things you can do is have something to say. Have something to say. You know what? It may not be politically correct. That's good. As long as it's based on truth, what you do is you're putting seed into the environment for people to consider. The thing about it is for too long, the church has been too quiet and the church has been too nice. The church needs to open its mouth and present to people there is a better way. There is a reason why truth is at the foundation of everything. Because anytime we deviate from truth, you're going to end up in the gutter. And if you end up in the gutter, you're going to find yourself in a compromised place. There is a responsibility that goes beyond me. There is a responsibility to understand the fact that this is my home. This is, the, I'm talking about the earth, is my home. And in consideration for the generations that are to come, I have a responsibility not only to introduce new actions of God, but to be at a place where I sustain what God is doing. Father, I just want to thank you that you're such a great God. Jesus, I want to thank you that you came and you have overcome. I want to thank you that you're King of kings and that you're Lord of lords. And Father, I want to thank you. It doesn't matter what's happening around about us right at the moment. It's not the end of the story. I want to thank you, Father, that you're working with each one of us right now. And I want to thank you for every person who's listening to this and every person who's represented here. I thank you that not a single person is here by chance or here by accident. But every single person is here because they have a purpose where they are right at the moment. I thank you, Father, that you'll just begin to explode within them, build within them an excitement and a, and a desire to influence the space. I pray for courage to be able to go into places where other people fear to tread. I want to thank you Holy Spirit that right now you're taking the blinkers off people and you're beginning to illuminate and show them how they're able to make deposits, have influence be at a place where they can take the kingdom and introduce kingdom into people's lives, into circumstances and into situations. I want to thank you Father that we have overcome and I want to thank you Father that you're coming back for a church that is victorious you're coming back for a place and for an earth where your glory covers the earth as the waters cover the sea I thank you for the opportunity we have to be partners with you in creating that space we bless you and we thank you for all of your goodness we thank you for your love to us and we thank you Father that we get to participate in a victorious week ahead we thank you for it now Amen.